Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Yes, welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio, and welcome to the new age of journalism. It is, gosh, June the 11th already, 2013, podcast number nine for those of you keeping score at home. And also, on the show, multiple guests are going to be popping in with us, weighing in on their thoughts of the NSA surveillance state. So, on the line with me right now is one of our guests, Daryl Young, who's going to be riding shotgun with me throughout the entire podcast today. Daryl, you're up and running, man. How's it going? Always good, brothers. Always thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Always good to have another liberty lover and, uh, you know, presser of truth out there for us. And I know that you and Adam are doing some good things. So, you know, just quickly before we get into the first couple clips, I've got a, a ton of audio clips for you guys today, and I'm going to be overlaying video with that. So, be sure to check out the YouTube channel, We Are Not Cattle TV. You'll be able to see the YouTube stream and the video feeds along with it. So, Daryl, really quickly, um, in two minutes, what are your thoughts on this um, NSA spy stuff that, that you and I have known has been going on for quite some time, but is now uh, mainstream news? I guess with them actually confirming what they're doing, people are now waking up and realizing that, that we've been watched forever, but it's, it's, it's nothing new to us. We're used to it. Like They've been doing this forever. First was the satellites, now it's the spy drones, and they they always been watching our, our phone records and, and, and IP address, so it's, it's really nothing new to us, man. Well, and that's one of the things that I did want to get into, because, you know, under Project Echelon, which started back in the 1950s, I believe, where they, it was after World War II, where they started uh, monitoring satellite communications, and I was talking to my father about this over the weekend. It was... um. It was basically, most governments had, um, I guess, like safety valves in place to where you couldn't spy on your own citizenry. So what they did to circumvent that was they would spy on other nations. We had agreements with the UK, Canada, um, some other nations. And basically, we would spy on their guys, and they would spy on us, and then we would just trade each other. So you weren't technically spying on your citizens, but you were. So now we have circumvented all of that stuff, and now we are just going straight for the we're going to spy on you, and it's all in your face. And then now people are coming out demonizing this gentleman for actually doing the whistleblowing, and I think it's pretty um, – I think it's it's like 1984, man. What do you think? Yeah, man. It's repeating itself all over again. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> it is kind of crazy. Well, the first clip I wanted to play for you guys today on the on the podcast is the um I know you guys have heard the Eisenhower speech about warning for, you know, the um the military industrial complex, but a lot of people don't or haven't heard the full um speech. And if you haven't, you really do need to go read it because it rings true towards today's society. But um the overarching theme of what he's talking about in this three minute clip is uh is very profound, and you'll see why it's very profound because he warns of a of a technology of a technocracy, and he warns of our of our government subsidizing scientists 
and basically taking over. And that's what we're seeing today. And now with these small leaks that are coming out, scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal, stuff that we've been saying at the top of our lungs for years, but now it's becoming mainstream. It's kind of interesting to see how this is all going to play out. And I do have clips, Daryl, for you. Um, we have people like Ron Paul talking about it. And then we have people like James Woolsey, who used to be a CIA director, basically defending this and saying that it's just metadata along with Dianne Feinstein. It's your, your, your usual pack of criminals, except now they've added um, my senator here from the, um, from the great state of Georgia, uh, Saxby Chambliss, to that, where he's saying that we only spy on the bad guys. No kidding, he actually uses the term the bad guys. So it is Orwellian podcast number nine. Uh, welcome to the surveillance state again. I uh, did podcast number eight, mostly covering the surveillance state. But we're going to get into a deep dive today, and we're going to start out with the Eisenhower clip. So We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. How to do this, three and a half million men and women are directly engaged in the defense establishment. We annually spend on military security alone more than the net income of all United States corporations. Now, this conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development, yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. Akin to and largely responsible for the sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. In this revolution, research has become central. It also becomes more formalized, complex, and costly. A steadily increasing share is conducted for, by, or at the direction of the federal government. Today, the solitary inventor, tinkering in his shop, has been overshadowed by task forces of scientists in laboratories and testing fields. In the same fashion, the free university, historically the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research. Partly because of the huge costs involved, a government contract becomes virtually a substitute for intellectual curiosity. 
For every old blackboard, there are now hundreds of new electronic computers. The prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, and the power of money is ever-present and is gravely to be regarded. Yet in holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite. It is the task of statesmanship to mold, to balance, and to integrate these and other forces, new and old, within the principles of our democratic system, ever aiming toward the supreme goals of our free society. All right, yeah, so that's the clip from Eisenhower, and that's the full clip, and I just pulled up um, my friend Andrew from Florida to join us today, too, but um, Daryl, have you heard that full clip in quite a while where he warns about the, the technology that's going to grow up around this, and now... Unfortunately, we are reaping the benefits of the surveillance state, and it's um, it's now up to the citizenry to decide. And and of course, government bureaucrats are going to tell you that they've already decided, but it's up for us to decide whether this is something that we want. So, Daryl, your feedback, real quick, and then I'll get Andrew's take on that. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I, my phone was going, and now I missed bits and pieces of it. What was that, bro? That's that's all right, man. The um, the Eisenhower speech. It's it was basically he spoke to the technology revolution, and we have to be wary that government is going to try to monopolize this technology, and and that's what we've seen. So what would you say to that now that you have people waking up saying, oh, my gosh, they're spying on us? What would you say to the fact that you and I, amongst every other liberty-minded person out there, is warning that big government only creates these kinds of things and that it doesn't create prosperity and freedom? It creates an entrapment and enslaved society. Uh, I tell him you should have voted Ron Paul. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so, Andrew Johnson, your thoughts, man, on the on the clip that I just played. Uh, thanks for joining us, by the way. Hey, thanks for having me, Jake. Yeah, man, I, I never get tired being a libertarian of getting to say I told you so, and it's becoming more frequent all the time. We're finally mm -hmm. getting out in the open. I've been telling people this for years. They've been spying on us. They look at me like I'm wearing a tinfoil hat. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, not to toot your horn, but your dad has got some experience in this realm, and you don't have to go into much detail if you don't want to, but your dad did some work for the uh, for the U.S. government back in the 60s, correct? Yes. So, and and this, isn't, this isn't new. I mean, I don't know how much he classified it or if he can get any trouble, but none of this is really new to, to – since, like, a lot of people are saying September 11th was what – trigger all of this from happening no no it's mm -hmm. been happening for years before that yeah i referenced project echelon back in the 50s and um that was basically using spy satellites and shortwave radios in order to capture communications so they've been doing it for quite some time it's just now they have they have digital data to do this now and so now they're just going to start storing all this stuff in this big u.s spy grid and these uh, excuse me these um nsa data centers and they tell us, Andrew, that it's metadata, which you and I know is both a bunch of crap. They just tag it as metadata, and they've got the entire conversation recorded because how else would they be able to go through 
like the FBI Deputy Director of Counterterrorism said, they would be able to go through and pull up that data. So here, let me pull that clip up for you for the people that don't um, for the people that don't follow the podcast very often. And um, excuse me, I'm kind of scrolling around here. But here is um, here's what the Deputy Director of Counterterrorism says. He says, "Hey, we've got our ways." of doing this. He said everything digitally is recorded and this is um a couple of weeks before all the spy stuff came out. So I'm gonna play this clip and then get your guys' thoughts on the backside and then um and then we're gonna play some of the uh, NSA whistleblowers clips, um some Ron Paul clips and um some other NSA whistleblowers that have already gone public that I played on the podcast last time. But if this whole podcast is gonna be about their surveillance state and what we're gonna, what we as citizens need to do about this, then, um, then I'm just gonna bombard you guys with information, and that's all that I can do. I can just, I can lead you to the water. I can't make you drink. So here is the um, FBI clip on counterterrorism, and then I'll, uh, Daryl, I'll go to you first after this, and then you guys can um, kind of expand on okay, what he said. Let's turn our attention now to the phone call between Catherine Russell and her husband Tamlin Sarnayev. You said something very interesting on Aaron Burnett's show last night. You said that if Catherine Russell does not divulge the contents of this phone call, that the FBI had other methods finding out what was said. What did you mean by that? Well, on the national security uh, side of the House, for in, the, in the federal government, you know, we have assets. There's lots of assets at our disposal throughout the intelligence community, and also not just domestically but overseas. Those assets are, allow us to gain information and intelligence on things that we can't use ordinarily in a criminal investigation, but are used for major terrorism investigations or counterintelligence investigations. And you're not talking that about a voicemail, right? What are you talking about exactly? I'm talking about all digital communications are, are um, there, there's a way to, to look at digital communications in the past. Um, and I can't go into detail of how that's done or what's done, but I can tell you that no digital communication is secure. And so these communications will be found out. They will, the conversation will be known. And it's just a question of whether or not Catherine Russell decides to own up to what was said prior to that information. Okay, so I cut it a little bit short, but you guys get the drift. That was the deputy director of counterterrorism talking about that was when they were investigating the Boston bombing, saying, oh, well, we have our ways. If we deem you a terrorist, once again, anybody that associates with al-Qaeda via the NDAA, anybody that gives money to they deem as terrorist organizations – all that good stuff. So, so Daryl, what do you say to this, man? I mean, the fact that they came out weeks before and then all this stuff breaks, and then you have the American public in a in a public survey saying that – and the survey was a little bit skewed, and I'll get into that here in a little bit. It says 56% of Americans say that they don't care if you violate their Second Amendment just as long as you give them some semblance of um, catching the bad guys. What do you say to that? Well, start as- uh, here at ABTM, we've been a victim multiple times of them spying on, on our IP address and shutting off our Internet due to us down so-called, quote-unquote, downloading copywritten items, which is false because nobody down here, nobody over here downloads anything. That's mm-hmm. not, I guess, how she phrase it. Uh, and they um, do that as a form of harassment, correct? Yeah, yeah, they definitely do that because, you know, one of the reasons why they try to do it because they try to, you know, use it as a reason to shut down our internet, to shut down our operation because you know we're we're internet based operation. So it's disgusting mm-hmm. that they can at any point just just, you know, 
attack our Fourth and Fifth Amendment by just spying on us without a warrant or probable cause. And the probable mm-hmm. cause is we're spreading knowledge. It's disgusting. But this is yeah, absolutely. You're out there. You're out there trying to give people not only a um, a blueprint about what's going on, but you're also trying to give them solutions. And I do want to talk about solutions toward the end. And then I just want to reiterate to everybody how important now. As an American citizen, that that um, July Fourth march that Adam Kokesh organized on on each state capital needs to be. I mean, if if you believe in liberty and freedom, and you believe the fact that you shouldn't have a governmental agency or independent agencies going through your metadata and data mining and then selling it to the NSA or selling it to government agencies, if you don't believe that, then you need to be out in front of your capital, and we need to let these people know that this is not going to go on anymore. Uh, we're tired of it. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Yeah, but I mean, most people are thinking uh, the football season's uh, 12 weeks around the corner, you know? <laughs> well, that's that's a very good point. So how do we get them to understand the significance of of what's going on? And, and those, uh, what would you say to a person, because I get this a lot, and I know I have a good rebuttal, but what would you say to a person that says, well, Andrew, I have nothing to hide? Well, we all have something to hide. I mean, they're just maybe what they consider they don't have anything to hide isn't taboo yet or isn't a crime yet. And, and the funny thing is, is that, and they need to keep this in mind, and this is what I tell people that say that to me, is you need to keep in mind that you don't get to decide what they deem is acceptable and unacceptable. They decide, not you. The central government decides what is what is a, a quote unquote either a terroristic activity or a um, or any other violation that they want to pull up or trump up on us. So now I'm going to go to the NSA whistleblower clip. In case you guys haven't heard the uh, interview, I kind of broke it up into the two, uh, what I thought were the two most important parts of the, the interview. So um, here's the clip from the NSA whistleblower, and then we'll do the same thing. I'll get your um, thoughts on the, on the backside from both of you. And then I think we're going to have a couple of guys from the Journalistic Revolution join us here in, in the next 15, 20 minutes. So we can all have a nice discussion and kind of go around the horn and, and really talk about what we think will be a good solution for this or just, you know, or laugh at it because you we all know that they hate it when we make fun of them. So here is the uh, here's the clip of the NSA. And um, by the way, NSA, thanks for tuning into the broadcast tonight. You can catch my Twitter feed at We Are Not Cattle, the number one. And you can also catch my YouTube channel at uh, We Are Not Cattle TV. And you can also go to my website and crash it at WeAreNotCattle.net. Those evil people spreading freedom, liberty, and um, conscious awakening to the technocrats. So here you go. Here's the When clip. you're in positions of, of privileged access, like a, a systems administrator for these sort of intelligence community agencies, you're exposed to a lot more information on a broader scale than the average employee. And because of that, you see things that uh, may be disturbing, but uh, over the course of a normal person's career, you'd only see one or two of these instances. Uh, when you see everything, you see them on a more frequent basis, and you recognize that some of these things are actually abuses. And when you talk to people about them uh, in a place like this, where this is the, the normal state of business, People tend not to take them very seriously and, you know, move on from them. But over time, that awareness of wrongdoing sort of builds up and you feel compelled to talk about it. And the more you talk about it, the more you're ignored, the more you're told it's not a problem. 
until eventually you realize that uh, these things need to be determined by the public, not by somebody who was simply hired by the government. Talk a little bit about how the American surveillance state actually functions. Does it target the actions of Americans? Uh, NSA and the intelligence community in general uh, is focused on getting intelligence wherever it can by any means possible. It believes on the grounds of sort of a self-certification that they serve the national interest. Uh, originally, we saw that uh, focus very narrowly tailored as foreign intelligence uh, gathered overseas. Now, increasingly, we see that it's happening domestically. And to do that, they, uh, the NSA specifically targets the communications of everyone. It ingests them by default. It collects them in its system, and it filters them, and it analyzes them, and it measures them, and it stores them for periods of time simply because that's the easiest, most efficient, and most valuable way to achieve these ends. So while they may uh, be intending to uh, target someone associated with a foreign government or someone that they suspect of terrorism, they're collecting your communications to do so. Uh, any analyst at any time can target anyone, uh, any selector anywhere. Where those uh, communications will be picked up depends on the range of the sensor networks and the authorities that that analyst is uh, empowered with. Not all analysts have the ability to target everything. But I, sitting at my desk, uh, certainly have the authorities to, to wiretap anyone from you or your accountant to a federal judge to even the president if I had a personal email. Wow, that is so amazing to me. They just, I mean, I knew that they were doing it because I worked in a telecom and I talked about how the backbone infrastructure was set up and everything like that. And I'm a, and both of you guys know me pretty well. I'm a big nerd, so I love computers. I love any kind of technology. And the fact that I was around selling Internet service for a couple of years, actually three years in total, um, made me very aware of how this stuff works. So I knew that it was going on. And those of you that um, that were working with a company that I worked for at the time, not meaning to toot my own horn, but it's really funny. I got invited, and, and Daryl and Andrew, I know you guys have, have done um, been in business before, so you understand this. I did really well at this company, so I was invited to go to the to the um, sales um, honor. Um, uh, award getaway or whatever it's called basically the top you know five percent of the sales reps in the company and i think we had 600 total got to go on this little getaway to mexico and then we had a io the cto and um a couple of other guys and um they're all sitting up there on their um you know on their stools fielding questions softball questions from people talking about where the company's going and stuff like that. You could tell they were planted questions. And then I raised my hand, you know, me being the thought criminal that I am, gee, I want to ask these bigwigs a question. And my question for them was, what would the with the likes of CISPA and SOPA coming out, what are you doing to ensure that our customers are going to have their data protected? And all of their faces, guys, got white as a sheet because this is not the kind of question that you're supposed to ask. You're supposed to just go along and not even think about, is this infringing on our civil liberties? Is this infringing on my right as a citizen? But, you know, going back to the whistleblower, that was tooting my own horn a little bit. I just, I thought it was funny because everybody at dinner made fun of me for doing that. So 
all of you guys that made fun of me at dinner for asking what you thought was a, a you know a stupid question. Um, I'm vindicated, so go get some. Um, anyway, so Daryl, what are your thoughts on what the NSA whistleblower said that basically any analyst, if he's just got a wild hair up his ass and wants to find out what uh, Go Ron Paul 2012 is up to, he could just uh, basically crack into everything and, and monitor you 24-7. Well, how do you feel about that? That's freedom, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, gotta love it. Gotta love technology as well. But as you said, you know, nobody's even protected down to the president, so it's like, I already know they 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 they're watching us, so that's why I make these random posts that I do because I know they're watching. So I want them to read my posts like, "Damn, this guy's outrageous and wild." Yes, motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Fuck him. Yeah, and, and I and it's funny when I see your posts, I know that you're trolling them sometimes. Some of your posts <laughs> yeah. are a little bit outlandish, and I look at them and I'm like, "Is he just trolling these people? What is he doing?" And then you know, now that you said it, it, it makes total sense to me because I'm like. That's a little bit out there. I bet he's trying to troll somebody and see if he can just get a rise out of people. But, uh, Andrew, yeah. Andrew, what are your thoughts, man? What are your thoughts on the fact that if they want to with, you know, just because some analyst sitting behind a computer uh, gets a wild hair up his butt, wants to tap your phones and stuff, what do you think of that? He can do it if he wants, right? He just wants to keep me safe, and you know that that keeps me warm at night, knowing that that, that I have. It's a government hug, isn't it? I think that every I, time that we, every time that you know something's going to keep us safe, it's just a government hug, and we just all got to get used to it. I'm going to go to build a bear, and I'm going to get me a government bear. That's a great idea. Everybody, go out and buy government bears now, so you can go to sleep with it because that will keep you safe. It really will. So, um, all right, so here's the next clip from the NSA whistleblower. i got to scroll down here and find it. I didn't have – I got a little disheveled right before the podcast, so didn't have time to get all my stuff organized. But here's the, here's the next clip. It's only a minute long, and then I'm going to um, get into – I'm going to jump right out of that, set up the, the next couple clips, and then we'll, um, and we'll have a big wrap-up discussion at the end, and then we'll get into some news items. So here's the next clip, guys, and then we'll go Why to the next. Why should people care about surveillance? Because even if you're not doing anything wrong, you're being watched and recorded. And the, the storage capability of these systems increases every year consistently by orders of magnitude uh, to where it's getting to the point you don't have to have done anything wrong. You simply have to eventually fall under suspicion from somebody, even by a wrong call. And then they can use the system to go back in time and scrutinize every decision you've ever made every friend you've ever discussed something with and attack you on that basis to sort of derive suspicion from an innocent life and paint anyone in the context of a wrongdoer. Yeah, and that's what we're really talking about. Like I said, you don't get to make the decision whether the central government deems you as somebody, a person of interest. It's that analyst that sits behind a keyboard. So here is the... Um, there was a there was a debate that went on on uh, Fox News earlier today. No, excuse me. Yeah, it was Fox News earlier today, and it was with um, a former CIA director and a um, and a you know evil thought criminal by the name of um, Dr. Ron Paul. And so you can see the two totally different uh, approaches to this tyrannical move. Um, James Woolsey obviously supports it and says that there's. You know, it's just metadata. It's always going to be the whitewash. It's only this. Just like, you know, just like when they tried to ship those guns into Mexico, guys, and, and they, they were going to track them, and they just, oh, they just ran out of batteries. You know, we, we obviously can see how that happens. So, 
So here's the clip from Wolsey, and then I'm going to play the clip from Ron Paul after that, and then I want to get your thoughts on on the two different sides, guys. And um, obviously, I know which side you're going to take because it's the one of truth, logic, and um, just you know being constitutional. And then uh, after that, we're going to go and shift into some um, some other news for today. So thanks for joining us on the podcast, everybody. Uh, I'm going to have some other guys joining us here in a minute, but here's the James Wolsey clip, and then we'll uh, we'll get these two guys to take on the backside. Well, they don't know everything about your online activity because but they, it's, but illegal. Could, right? it's illegal for them to take some steps with respect to it, such as to get into the substance uh, of the of the intercept. Uh, what uh, this is, as far as Americans are concerned, is what's called metadata. It's who's calling whom and so forth. If you and I talk on phones uh, to one another yeah. every day, and then one day I call Ayman Zawahiri uh, of Al-Qaeda in Pakistan, uh, uh, yes, uh, somebody is going to say, you know, I wonder what... Uh, uh, has been going on between Woolsey and Pierce. Let's uh, let's have a, a look at that. Uh, but uh, routinely and systematically, there's no looking into the substance uh, of your calls or mine. It doesn't uh, work that way. No, it doesn't. It does not work that way. All right. So here is um, here is Ron Paul's rebuttal to that. Um, that loving government hug that James Woolsey just gave us. So Secret. Ron Paul was a former congressman and former presidential candidate. He's now chairman of the Campaign for Liberty. Ron Paul, uh, thank you for joining me. Um, you are a supporter of Edward Snowden and his actions. Why? Well, from what I hear and what he's done, I mean, he's done a great service because uh, he's, t he's telling the truth, and this is what we are starved for. The American people are starved for the truth. And when you have a dictatorship or an authoritarian government, truth uh, becomes treasonous. And this is what they do. If you are a whistleblower, or if you're trying to tell the American people that our country is destroying our rule of law and destroying our Constitution, uh, they say, they turn it on, they say, oh, we're co you're committing treason. So this is, this is a big problem. And to expect any changes without an announcement like this, things keep getting worse. They've gotten worse steadily for the past 10 years. So essentially there is no Fourth Amendment anymore. And for somebody to tell the American people the truth is a heroic effort. And he knows that it's very risky. He knows he's committing, uh, you know, civil disobedience. And he knows that he could get punished. But he believes very sincerely, I'm sure, I've never met the man, but he believes severe, as very seriously that what our government is doing to us is so serious that somebody has to speak out. And I think the large majority of American people are sick and tired of hearing how many people are having surveillance on them, whether it's their phones, their internet, and email, and everything else. Matter of fact, I think uh, I think the president ought to send him a thank you letter because the uh, tra the president ran on transparency, and we're getting a lot of transparency now. So and finally, we're getting the president to fulfill his promise about transparency. So that's pretty exciting for me because I believe in transparency. But we have our government turned we have our government turned on its head. The government is supposed to be open, and we're supposed to have our privacy. But we don't have any privacy, and the government's totally secret. And then they combine this with what they do with the IRS. Maybe, maybe that's how they line up their targets in the IRS. They modify, they, you know, they check on our phone calls and find out what kind of business well, deals me... we're doing so we can audit them and do all these kinds of things. It's just totally out of control. It, it may be, but the reality is that a new uh, Pew Research Center tracking of millions of Americans 
uh, coming up between June the 6th and the 9th, said the following, uh, is it acceptable for the NSA to track calls of millions of Americans to investigate terrorism? Acceptable 56%, not acceptable 41%. So the well, significant majority of Americans... Okay, that... Um... I, if I had a um, if I had a bullshit alarm, I would hit the bullshit alarm right there, because obviously um, Dr. Ron Paul makes a bunch of huge points, and then Pierce Morgan talks about the Pew Research poll, which any of you that have ever studied statistics understand that there are a couple of things that you need to take in consideration when you're looking at a poll. Number one is the sample size. How big was the people that were? How big was the sample of people that were polled? Number two is who were you polling? If it's just a bunch of random people, or did you walk into a a group of, of Democrats and ask them if they want bigger government? I mean, that's pretty much it. And then the third thing that you might want to take into consideration is the phrasing of the question. And the phrasing of the question was not such that it was, do you think that it's cool that the government spies on you? Everybody would say no. They said, in order to maybe possibly sometimes catch a maybe fake invisible terrorists, would you be okay if the government kept some of your data? And they're like, oh, yeah, that seems reasonable. And if you guys did the monkey math in your head, which I did, it only comes out to 97% total. Wow, that's pretty weird. Yes, because three people actually, or 3% of the people said they weren't sure. And then, so you have that 3% differential there. And then you also have a differential of a plus minus which is every statistical um, every statistical analysis has a plus minus differential as far as the percentage goes to be factual because some people can waffle either way, and that's just due to the to the once again the smallness of the sample size, and the plus minus differential is um, is three and a half percent. So now we've got six and a half percent of all the of a, a six and a half percent swing any way you want to look at it. So we're basically looking at almost 50-50 here. Almost 50% of Americans would say, yeah, that's fair, and the other half are saying, hell no. So, Daryl, what are your thoughts on what Dr. Ron Paul said, even calling it a tyranny, calling it what it is, on its face, stealing from the public, $85 billion a month given to foreign banks? What are your thoughts, Daryl Young? As always, I agree with Ron Paul. I love the great doctor. He changed my life. Now, just like Adam or Christian Megan who signed up for the military and found out what they were doing and became whistleblowers themselves because they're acknowledging that our government is evil and corrupt and they're they're breaking the laws. They're killing people. They're spying on people. But, you know, we're the criminals. It's a, it's a shout out to Bradley Manning and anybody down with Anonymous because, you know, they're only exposing what our government is doing. The information mm-hmm. that they're keeping from us is supposed to be public, but mm-hmm. they want to keep it from us because they know that they're doing wrong. It's like he said. It's like our our entire society is turned up on its head. It's like, it's like we need to know everything that you guys are doing because you guys are obviously the problem. Meanwhile, we can run drugs in guns into Mexico. We can launder billions of money through the banks. 
You know, John Corzine could steal $2 billion out of segregated accounts. Nobody gets in trouble. But we got to watch you because you guys are the problem. Not the other way around. Not what our forefathers said and the fact that, you know, government's going to get out of control. It's going to be a tyranny. It's always going to happen. Every generation needs a revolution, yada, yada, yada. Now, um, Andrew Johnson, I'm done. Bogart and the mic, your, your thoughts on what Dr. Ron Paul said, calling this a tyranny, calling it what it is on its face. Andrew, what are your thoughts? I think a little sidetracked here, but I think if they really want to find the dirt on people or terrorists, they want to find the bad guy, mm-hmm. they should just give all that data over to TMZ and let them start digging through it. There you <laughs> go. More more entertaining. Entertaining. <laughs> Those guys are like the scum of the earth. Go give them, you know, ten thousand dollars to get a picture of a senator with a hooker, but that won't ever happen. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, that was, that's actually a really good idea, man. All right, so I'm gonna to go to another clip of um, of Woolsey, and then I'll get um, I'll get uh, Ron Paul's response to that. But uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. I think I just uh, saw the journalistic revolution. I think that's Robert popping in on this uh, this call with us. But uh, here's the second part of the clip with Woolsey, and then um, we'll we'll catch everybody's re- reaction after we go to Dr. Ron Paul's rebuttal to Woolsey. So Woolsey's about a half a minute, and then uh, Dr. Paul's. Uh, two minutes of, once again, uh, common sense, uh, constitutional knowledge, and um, and liberty. Holy, holy crap. Can we get some liberty in the House? All right, here you go. Given the fact that this system was put together by the people's elected, uh, elected representatives, that it's been upheld by the courts, that it's monitored by the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, that it's monitored by uh, Attorney General and officials in the executive branch uh, every uh, 90 days. It was one of these 90-day reports uh, that was uh, leaked. And that it is systematically uh, supported by people uh, like the chairman of the Senate Intelligence uh, uh, Committee, Senator Feinstein. Oh. So I feel so much better now that Diane Feinstein is going to be overseeing this whole thing. Don't you feel better, Daryl, knowing that Diane, you know, gun grabber Feinstein? She loves it. Oh man, she 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 wants to give Daryl the biggest government hug on the planet. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous, Daryl. What do you what do you say to that? Diane Feinstein's out there looking out for your best interest, man. Look, let me catch that bitch without a security, man. That's all I got to do. <laughs> no, 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 you can't do that. Daryl, you cannot do that because, remember, she's got to carry a concealed permit, but you got to give your guns up. So don't even talk yeah. about it like that because she's still armed. Whether you're you know, whether you're an unarmed slave or an armed slave, it doesn't matter. She's still going to be armed. All right, yeah, that was yeah. funny. I'm, all right, so. I'm, I'm, I'm Crip Ron Paul. Yeah, tell her come get me. I'm, I'll be waiting. Dude, these people these people are gangsters. I, I'm starting to I'm starting to really believe that Alex Jones is right that we're just we're run by a bunch of mafia people. This is absolutely getting sick. Okay, so here's once again um, logic's rebuttal to the uh, to the tyrants. Here we go. If you had been president, are you in all seriousness telling me that you would have stopped all of this tracking of data in the way that the NSA has been doing it? An awful lot of it, but it wouldn't be stopped. You would still have your, you would, you you would still have your transparency. I mean, you'd still have your uh, intelligence gathering, but it would be done under the law. You would have probable cause, and you would have courts. This idea that you can go to the FISA court and get a warrant—that's ridiculous. That's like 
the monitoring of the president say, oh, well, we're going to pick and choose who we're going to assassinate, American citizen or not. But we have monitors. We're going to study this. That's the rule of law. What he's doing is repealing the Magna Carta. You can't just do these kind of things. And this one is not only repealing the principles of liberty, but it's, uh, it's destroying the Constitution. So my question should be to all of you who defend this nonsense is, what should the penalty be for the people who destroy the Constitution? They're always worried about how they're going to destroy the American citizens who tell the truth to let us know what's going on. But we ask the question, what is the penalty for the people who deliberately destroy the Constitution and rationalize and say, oh, we have to do it for security? Well, you know what Franklin said about that. You end up losing, you lose your uh, security and you lose your freedoms too. So I think we've embarked on a very, very dangerous course. The American people are with us on this. It's totally out of control. And I would say if you're, if you're confused about what we should do, just read the Constitution. What's wrong with that? Well, you know, that I just, gives I a just pretty did, good guideline. You don't in, like it. Get, I, people, get, people, get, people to, get people to repeal it and change the Constitution, but not just to deny it. I mean, we go to war go. without a declaration. We totally ignore oh. the Constitution. That is what our problem is today. We have no rule of law, and people say, well, just let secret courts do this, and the government's <laughs> to know everything, and the American people are to have no privacy. I mean, you're, that, that reflects an intimidation. People are insecure and think that we okay. need more authoritarianism. Oh, yeah. You're justifying dictatorship. Holy extremist, Batman. Somebody cut his mic. That guy is losing his mind. How dare you not want to be spied upon, Ron Paul? How dare you? I mean... You know what that calls for. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll find it. All right. So, Daryl, what, what are your thoughts on you know all this stuff? And then we're going um, to transition into... Um, some clips from William Benny. I'm actually going to pull that up a little bit later. I want to get some. Uh... Hey, Andrew, I think it calls for uh, one of these. USA! 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 That's exactly what I think it calls for. Or it can actually, um, it can call for one of these two from Caddyshack if you guys are listening. It's no big deal. Man, it's just no big deal, guys. <laughs> I mean,. I mean, we're, look, the government spies on you. They run the drugs. They ship the narcotics. They, they, they kidnap the children. They sell them off. They put them on psychotropics. You know, those are the good guys. Those are the good people. That's, I mean, they wear black uniforms to make you feel safe. You're focusing on the wrong things, though. You should be worried mm -hmm. about where Tebow or, or who Tebow's going to be playing for, dude. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what? I completely forgot. Daryl, do you know who Tebow's going to be playing for? I don't know who that is. Yeah, see? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're not an American. You are not an American. Give me your passport right now. Give me your passport. What a joke. This is so crazy. And, and it's funny, Andrew, that you bring all this stuff up and you bring up the humor behind it. It's If you try to talk to people about this, they literally look at you like you're crazy. It's like, hey... Dude, um, they're building like when I told people five years ago that they were building a um, they were building the NSA spy facility. When I heard about that, and it was covered five years ago, it's like, oh, they're um, they're going to build a government spy facility in uh, in Utah worth you know two million dollars of your tax money, and oh, it'll just happen to house some data that that'll you know it'll just house data for up to um, up to a uh, hundred years. And I was yeah, like, that, huh? So you're a conspiracy theorist back then. <laughs> Of course, yeah, and and now it's all like, and now every everywhere I turn, and and Andrew, you'll you'll see this, and Daryl, you probably get this a lot too. 
is that the people that you were starting to try to tell about this kind of stuff and, hey, the government's looking like it's going to get tyrannical and we're going down the same path that all these guys go down in history. You start seeing them, you start seeing them getting real secret, secret, and that's usually the sign that things are about to get bad. And when they start demonizing whistleblowers, demonizing truth sayers, going after Alex Jones, which I want to read that article where he says that the article says that he creates bombers and it calls Dennis Kucinich and Rand Paul extremists. I mean, un. Believable. Anybody that supports the Constitution is an extremist is or is extreme in the political spectrum somehow. So if we don't all sell out to globalism or sell out to um you know fake conservatism, then um then then you're an extremist. All right, we got another caller on the line here. I want to see who this is. Um hold on guys. Caller, uh who do we got? Now this is Robert from Journalistic Revolution. Hey, what's up, man? So, um, I'll get your take on that really quick. Uh, we just finished the uh, the clip of the um, the one and only thought criminal that we all know and love, um, Dr. Ron Paul, talking about this is a a complete tyranny. It's totally tyrannical. Once again, they're taking the they're taking the stance that um, well, you know, don't ask for permission, just ask for forgiveness later. So, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Well, uh, I've actually been in contact with some of um, my, um, I guess, friends, you can call them in the intelligence community, to talk to about how regular this has been uh, and, and how much of what he leaked was factual and how much was infactual. And uh, pretty much everyone confirmed that everything that he leaked is 100% factual. Metadata is a very common thing in the intelligence community. Um, and what it is, and the reason that uh, it can be somewhat more dangerous than actually listening to your calls, because the metadata doesn't actually listen to your calls. They just they <clears> track <throat> and document everything, every call, email, right. who and to who it went from, and everything like that. Well, um, the, the the reason that it can be more dangerous than actually listening to your calls is it creates a profile of you. Because yeah. of the seven degrees of separation, it kind of mm-hmm. and it, it can make a judgment. Hey, call hey, hey! We're not talking it. about Kevin Bacon, man. We're not talking about Kevin Bacon. <laughs> All right, so go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah, no, it's um. So my my whole take on this. Most of us fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so hiding my guns out in the backyard and those tubes ain't gonna do no good. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. Now, to continue continue with the metadata, because I, I know where you're going with this, and this people need to make sense of why this is such a big deal. Because you're right, they're building they're building profiles through all of your browsing history, through your your phone records, who you're talking to, what websites you go to, how much money you spend at the grocery store, and you know the CIA chief, you know we're going to spy on you through your dishwasher. I mean, they're grabbing every little you know giblet. And, and bite and bit that they can. So uh, continue, yeah. Robert. Now, uh, I do want to say, now this is what my contacts in the intelligence community are telling me, okay? Now, uh, if they're if this is 100% factual or if it's just what they're fed, um, mm-hmm. they do say that any time that they stumble upon an American citizen's phone number or an American citizen's email while tracking these so-called terrorist activities, they mm-hmm. do have to stop and flag it and send it to higher authorities for uh, assessment if it is to be used or if they have to stop because of constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. Now, 
is that compartmentalization in these people, you know, because they're not, I'm not talking to freaking, you know, the, the directors or anything. No, no, no. You know what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. I mean, are they just compartmentalization and this is what they're being told? But the fact is, is that these lower level people are being told that they are not allowed to monitor American civilian numbers or emails. But the metadata is allowed to mm-hmm. collect that information and save it for later if a warrant is deemed necessary. Right, and that's what the FBI Deputy Director of Counterterrorism said, is that basically they're flagging everything. So they're storing all the – trust me, they're storing all the calls, they're storing everything, but then they have to get the proper, quote-unquote, permission – to um to absolutely destroy your fourth amendment. They they destroy it subtly, but then in order to completely destroy it, they have to label you a um a terrorist. And then once they yeah, label they, you a terrorist, like then your then your rights through NDAA go out the window. It's like preemptively destroying the fourth. It's not, you know, right. what I mean they haven't because they're not looking. But like I, I I even made a point to someone the other day, well they're like, "Oh, well they're just collecting the data. If they don't look at it, what does it matter?" And I go, "Okay, so I can go into your house steal all your stuff, but as long as I don't use it, it's not really stealing. No, no, no. Even better, even better. I could go in your house and go through all of your drawers, but if I don't steal anything, it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm just looking at it. It's a collection of data. Yeah, exactly. I'm just I'm just counting how many pairs of boxes you have. That's all I'm doing. I'm counting how You're many pairs of boxes. Sniffer, aren't you, Jake? Listen. The you underpants guys don't want to look at my underwear drawer. You know, I, I did I did graduate from I am a secretly an underpants gnome. So just letting everybody know, I am secretly an underpants gnome. So yes, but but anyway, I, I appreciate the feedback on that. And um, let's get to um, here. I, I think that we'll, I'm going to play a clip. I'm going to play a clip of um, you know Robert's probably Robert probably likes this person too, and I think we all love her. Here comes. The big government hug from Miss um, Diane Feinstein about the Verizon stuff. So I'm going to play this clip uh, along with um, my senator, um, Saxby Chambliss, that also wants to confiscate my guns, amazingly. Um, and uh, I'm going to play the clip, and then I'll get everybody's take on the backside, and then why we should not trust government, and then we'll wrap this section up and then go into some news. So here, um, here's the clip, everybody. Enjoy. As far as I know, this is the exact three-month renewal of what has been the case for the past seven years. This renewal is carried out by the FISA court under the business records section of the Patriot Act. Therefore, it is lawful. It has been briefed to Congress. This is just metadata. There is no content involved. In other words, no content of a communication. That can only be, these records, I'm not talking about the content now, I'm talking about the records, can only be accessed under heightened standards. The information goes into a database, the metadata, but cannot be accessed without what's called, and I quote, reasonable, articulable suspicion that the records are relevant and related to terrorist activity. Terrorists will come after us if they can. And the only thing that we have to deter this is good intelligence. To understand that the plot is being hatched and to get there before they get to us. It is simply what we call metadata. Here we go. It is 
never uh, utilized by any governmental agency unless they have they go back to the FISA court and show kangaroo mm-hmm. court real cause as to mm-hmm. why something within the metadata should be looked at. So ah. uh, that's um, uh, I think been very clear all oh, along very clear. the years of this program. Yep. It has years. proved meritorious. Yeah, it has. Because we have gathered significant information on bad guys, but only on bad guys over the years. Only on, listen, I, I literally cannot make that stuff up. Only on, the, hey Daryl, don't I you feel, feel much better? better. No, Daryl, <laughs> don't you feel better now that we um that we're only getting data on the bad guys? It, it makes it all makes sense now. She hates us so much. She sends Verizon after us. <laughs> yeah, you've had your it's okay. She wanted to read your, spy on us, bro. Yeah, you've had your own run-ins with Verizon, haven't you? Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. recently. And then when he confirmed that they're spying on people, I'm like, it makes sense now. Thank you for, for confirming what I already knew. They right. just want to keep you safe, though. Yeah, that's, that's my all it is, zero. Yeah, they, they just, just want to make go, sure. I might go those... drone somebody. Better watch out, bro. Yeah, you government. Hey, the government hug will will keep you safe. I promise. So they just um, want to make sure those DMT trips are safe, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, I, it's awesome, bro. Is it, is it is it too is it too much to wish that she die of anal cancer? Mm, no, I, that that'd, be, be... that'd be pretty fitting for her. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just just bleed out your asshole tonight, please, bitch. Please. Oh man. <laughs> Diane Feinstein, we we really do love you because you between you and Lindsey Graham and a couple of other nincompoops up in Washington, you really do supply us with all the information and all the hilarity we need to run a podcast. I mean, it is just like all I have to do is turn on the television and hope to God that you're being interviewed or Lindsey Graham's being interviewed on Meet the Press talking about um, Al-Qaeda that we fund and that you can completely distinguish who the bad guys are and then um, have a picture of um, what's-his-nuts. Um, what the hell McCain. is that? McCain. Yeah, McCain. Obama, Obama. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it, it, any one of them. Just choose one. Oh, we know exactly who the terrorists are, and he's standing right in front of two of them. Two the convicted terrorists. Part. Yeah, good job, buddy. But anyway, all right, so shifting gears, guys. Um, you know, here is – I'm going to give everybody the last two um, – You everybody gets two minutes to kind of wrap up your thoughts on this, and then we'll go into some of the news that I have pulled up here. Uh, that will give us um, one hour to cover news, so it will be um, – no, I'm going to spend a lot of time on a couple of articles. So, Daryl, I'll start with you. Um, last two minutes, man, what do you think the big takeaway is for everybody – in the uh, in the American public, what what do you think the big takeaway is from all of this uh, spying and stuff like that? It's not really going to stop anything. It's going to make people want to make more outrageous posts, and everybody that's active, we already know that they're watching us. So, it's like, okay, you're telling us you're watching us, something that we already know. So what? Come on. Yeah. Now, just overload it. Just just keep pushing more information their way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So Andrew Andrew, your thoughts? You just you say the what same thing. It's just, what are, what are they gonna do when we're all terrorists, bro? I mean we're pretty much well, we are all terrorists. that loves freedom and liberty is a terrorist, so I mean I, I, I really don't know what kind of what kind of head this is gonna come to, but this is getting it's getting a little bit much for me. Um Robert, what are your what are your thoughts, really quick? Uh, two minutes to kind of wrap up the whole thing, and, and you can get into as much or as little detail as you want. All right. Uh, well, pretty much, I have uh, two things that uh, I, I like about this. One, 
it, it, it brings it to a national conversation. All those people who are all like, oh, they're not watching us, now we have the proof. There, there is no more denying it. So, I mean, hopefully that will be able to wake up some because that's kind of shocking to the average American. Um, mm-hmm. So I applaud Snowden for his efforts on that. But I do think that this raises a very libertarian slash voluntarist question. He was a private contractor in contract. Now, the libertarian and voluntary stance is that we have to honor our contracts. Do we, do we civilly go after him because he did violate a contract yet still applaud his efforts in showing out information? Or does mm-hmm. one cancel out the other? And it's a very, I mean, it's philosophical and political, I mean, if we're calling ourselves libertarian or voluntarian. Right. Well, I guess we can have that debate here in a minute, but um, um, I'm going to have to go to break in like um, in two minutes. So here's my here's my two minute takeaway. Um, This is the tip of the iceberg for all the people that thought that we were all conspiracy theorists and that um, we were paranoid that people were spying on us. And and Daryl was paranoid that, you know, Verizon was shutting off their Internet because they've been watching them, and, and it was right after they had um, posted some stuff about the armed march on Washington, and magically their internet like goes out. Like they did with our Rebecca Carley interview with, with Robert Platshorn. Can't forget about that one too, bro. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. We were doing an interview with Robert Platshorn and Rebecca Carley on one of the podcasts that Daryl and I filled in for for Adam, and they um, they popped us on that too. But I think the big takeaway is that you need to start looking into stuff, everybody. Otherwise, you're going to be—you're going to literally wake up in 1984, and we're already qu- almost there. But what I don't want to happen is I don't want us to get caught flat-footed if something like an economic collapse or something like that comes in, and then we have to really go to almost an authoritarian regime, which is what this is trending towards. And I'm not afraid to say that. We're trending towards authoritarianism. Is it Barack Obama doing it? No. Is it George Bush doing it? No. It's incrementalism, guys, and that's what we're facing here. It's the it's the boiling frog. Everybody's heard the uh, analogy that it's a boiling frog in the pot and that we're just going to get slowly acclimated to it. And I've got articles to kind of support my argument here about why this is slow acclimation. So I'm going to play the uh, a super state clip here. And we're going to take a break, and then uh, after the Super State clip, we will pick it up on the backside with uh, with everybody's thoughts. And then we can have that debate that Robert wanted to have, and I think it's a very good one. And that is to uh, whether this guy should be either you know praised as a whistleblower and then tried for breaking contract, or do we just have a philosophical break with everything and say, well, this whole thing was kind of effed up to begin with, so we're going to give him a pass. So here's the clip. We'll see you guys in about two minutes. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. There is very little call for the services of a librarian. Case in point, a minister. A minister would tell us that his function is that of preaching the word of God. And of course it follows that since the state has proven that there is no God, that would make the function of a minister somewhat academic as well. There is a God. are in error, Mr. Wordsworth. There is no God. The state has proven that there is no God. You cannot erase God with an edict. You are obsolete, Mr. Wordsworth. You have no function, Mr. Wordsworth. You're an anachronism, like a ghost from another time. I am nothing more than a reminder to you that you cannot destroy truth. You're a bug, Mr. Wordsworth, a crawling insect. 
An ugly, misformed little creature who has no purpose here, no meaning. I am a human being. I exist. And if I speak one thought aloud, that thought lives, even after I'm shoveled into my grave. Delusions, Mr. Wordsworth. Delusions. The Bible. Poetry. Essays. All kind. All of it. An opiate to make you think you have a strength when you have no strength at all. You have nothing but spindly limbs and a dream. And the state has no use for your kind. All right. So, um... Hey, welcome back. Uh, it is the We Are Not Cattle podcast number nine. Uh, continuing here with our guest, uh, Daryl Young from Adam versus the Man. I've got Robert from the Journalistic Revolution and fellow thought criminal, usually on the We Are Not Cattle podcast with me uh, occasionally. My friend from Florida, Andrew, thanks for uh, with us. So at the end of the last hour, Robert raised a really good question for us. And that was through all this whistleblowing that we're seeing here. Do we, since he was an independent contractor, do we come after him as a breach of contract and applaud him for standing up for his for his Fourth Amendment and standing up for all of our Fourth Amendment rights, or do we let it go? So, Daryl, what do you say to that? I mean, it's a tough philosophical question, and I know you're a volunteerist slash anarcho capitalist. So, you know, in, in our world. People that believe that, that uh, he, Robert makes a valid point, he did breach his contract. So what do you say to all this? Daryl, we got you? Hello? I think we might have lost Sorry him. about that. I have my phone on mute. Still here, bro. Still here, still here. That's all right. That's yeah, all right, uh, if this was a perfect world and it was up to me, this man would be a free man. So will Bradley Manning because they're not the one causing these, these terrorist attacks. They're only leaking information. But sure. I, I I don't know. It's like, when can we break the rules? Like, when is it okay? If he's a terrorist, he's a terrorist. But, it's like, because he's an independent contractor, he's an independent terrorist? Like, how do you define that? Like, I, I don't know. Right. That's just crazy. I think morally, you, you would have to morally. If you know that somebody is going to be hurt or something like that, you should get a free pass. Otherwise, what's the incentive? That That's true. But then if you, if you took it to a, a voluntaristic society, which – I think the majority of us can agree with, you know, smaller government, more um more independent um smaller organizations contributing, you do run into the conundrum of whether this is a, a breach of contract and you know, maybe he should get fined or something like that. That would that would seem fair, you know, cuz if people in the NFL do something that's that's out of, you know, not to pull that, but that's something that every uh, American can relate to. Unfortunately, not every American can relate to politics which is pretty sad, but we can all relate to football. So if a, if a football player goes out and says something or does something or does something outside of the rules, he doesn't get fired, he just gets fined. I mean, Robert, what what are your thoughts? Because you raised the philosophical question, so I'm I'm hoping that you have a good answer for us. If, if not, you're just putting us on the um, political Ferris wheel and spinning us around, so I appreciate it. No, no, no. Uh, I, my my standpoint on it is is that – Criminally, he gets a free pass. Um, I don't think that he should be charged with treason. I don't think he should be charged with leaking information, anything like that from our government, uh, because they're the ones in the wrong. Like, uh, like. Uh, Are you saying that. that our government was wrong to spy on everybody? 
That's yes, a very that's, that is that's my, a very that's that is a very my humble opinion. Answer. That's <laughs> a very that's but, an extreme. Answer. But I do think that for us to stand philosophically true, we would still have to hold him accountable civilly for his violation of contract, which would be you know settled between him and his uh, his subcontractor that he was working through. I think that 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 is something that I think on a philosophical basis, if we are to be uh, sound in our beliefs that we would have to support some sort of action like that. Still, not that's it. Well, I mean, that makes that makes sense. So now that we've kind of wrapped up the uh, the NSA portion of things, because we can't sit here because we all know things that are going on here in our government that are getting a little bit out of control. And when I say a little bit, I mean a lot. And uh, I had to mute everybody because um, we were getting some feedback there. But I do want to I want to read some excerpts from this article, and I know that we all have our own differing opinions on Alex Jones. Now, one of the things that I have to say is that I enjoy his show. It's entertaining to me, and it's also good as far as getting at least the talking points of what we can go investigate out there. Not saying that everything he does is gold and not say all of his ideas are crystalline, but he does make some very good points and he and I both share a lot of um, philosophical points in the fact that, yes, um, if global government comes, it will be in the form of corporations. It will not be in the form of governments um, by individuals that are elected. I, I personally, you know, even though I'm a small government kind of person, if we could agree that we could elect representatives from each nation to go and serve on a government – on a world government council that would not you know, obviously attack other nations – then I would be more for that than I would be for this global government that they're trying to set up with UN Agenda 21 and by bankrupting all these nations and establishing central banks everywhere like we don't know what the heck's going on. I mean, don't talk to us like we're children. But here is the clip. I mean, here is the uh, article, and this is from Bloomberg, and it says Alex Jones sells gold on Sirius with bombing conspiracies. And it says. Heda Zamarafal first encountered conspiracy theorist Alex Jones while scouring the internet to understand how her friend Derzine Zarkayev went from a free-willing student to a terrorist suspect. Umarov, a 21-year-old Chechen native <clears throat> from Massachusetts, found logic and comfort in Jones, who uses 17 hours of weekly radio broadcasts, which he pays for, by the way, and a sprawling online empire to advance the idea that the U.S. government played a part in the 1915 or the April 15th explosions that killed three and nearly injured 260 at the Boston Marathon. And he says, a quote, a lot of it is, oh, my God, he's crazy. But a lot of the stuff he says makes sense. And he says he brings up a lot of valid points. She and others obsessed with the violence that have con that is cascaded around Jones in <clears throat> 39, expanding the reach of a man who exemplifies the Internet conspiracy industry. This is so unbelievable. Sponsored by Midas Resources, a closely held subsidiary with his and his broadcast partner with Sirius Radio, a channeling partner of Clear Channel Communications, he is roughly on 80 terrestrial stations. The idea is imposed by Jones, who says that he brings in $7 million a year. That's not profit. That's how much his... That's how much his agency brings in. Just I'm being clear on this hit piece right here because I want everybody's opinion on it, but I do want to get the facts out there. 
have profit groups such as the Southern Poverty Law Center in Montgomery, Alabama, to accuse him of fomenting hate. His guests note that he includes both extremes of the political spectrum. Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky and right wing on the right wing and former U.S. Representative Dennis Kucinich on the left. Remember, those are the – and I'm going to read that again for those of you playing the home game. It says, his guests of note include both extremes of the political spectrum, Rand Paul on the right and Dennis Kucinich on the left, both of which that we know – this is not in the article – both of which are constitution lovers, free marketeers, non-fiat money people, sound money, sound currency – and so here's where it gets even better. The Boston Windfall. Alex Jones is probably the most important cons conspiracist in terms of his influence in the U.S. now that Glenn Beck has lost his chair on, news, on network news, uh, said the senior analyst and political research associates in a nonprofit says for social justice. Views of Alex Jones' website, InfoWars, spiked about sevenfold during the midst of May, where the world was focused on the bombings, according to Alexa.com, a San Francisco company that tracks internet analytics. By comparison, views to compelling websites like Rush Limbaugh and Black were flat in the show data. And here it comes, the Bilderberg spectacle. Yeah, a, a bunch of the world's most powerful people getting together, meeting in secret, no big deal. Jones says governments have a history of staging terror attacks and cites the 1933 Reichstag fire in Germany that preceded the Nazi rise to power. From there, he zips into present-day politics that the Boston bombings and the address or the arrest of Sarnayev. We have a criminal government at many levels, so nothing they say can be trusted or believed, Jones said in a telephone interview with Austin. And now he supposedly have this guy saying that he did it all. I'm sure they'll torture the hell out of him, and when he says that, they'll get him to say whatever they want. Jones took his ideas for, to Britain last week and protested the annual Bilderberg organizational meeting. A group of global leaders, rather behind uh, global leaders who gather behind closed doors, at the at this year's included UK Prime Minister David Cameron and International Monetary Fund Managing um, Director. Char um, Jesus, Charleston Lagarid. I don't even know how to butcher that guy's name, but the the head of the IMF, the managing director of one of the biggest criminal operations on the planet. Jones <clears throat> gathered attention during the BBC television interview where he yelled, "You can't stop freedom! Humanity is awakening!" And it just goes on to talk about his cult of celebrityism and all this other stuff. So I'm now going to pull up our guests and get their take on it, as I butchered that article for six minutes. So, um, Daryl, I'll go to you first. Daryl Young from the Adam vs. the Man podcast. What, um, what are your thoughts on that little excerpt of the article that I read? And I didn't even get to the juicy part where it says that he creates bombers. And here it is. It says human bombs. He doesn't build bombs. He doesn't... He does not build bombs. He builds bombers is what the Southern Poverty Law Center says. And he says feed sick minds all over the country and those people that engage in real-life terrorism. So Alex Jones is our problem, not the fact that the government's spying on us, not the fact that Obama does a drone list every Tuesday morning, not the fact that they're caught you know, laundering all the drugs, not the fact that they're caught laundering 
you know, guns down to Mexico to demonize the Second Amendment. None of this stuff is a scandal. They can they can tap the press. That's perfectly fine. But hell, if and if Alex Jones tries to make money exposing corruption, then obviously he's the bad guy. Uh, Daryl, what's your thoughts, man? The new world order is real. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Alex it, Jones, man. <laughs> I mean, all of this stuff sounds crazy until you look at it and you look at what he's talking about. And whether you call it the New World Order, whether you call it the corporatocracy, or whether you call it what I think it is, it's a bunch of greedy bastards that are just trying to get more money and power. And that's never happened over the period of history ever, that greedy people have wanted more power and control. I mean, heaven forbid that ever goes on. Um, uh, let's go to uh, Let's go to Robert. Robert, what are your thoughts on this, man? Well, you know, you know my opinion of Alex Jones. You know, he's not like number one. I, tr- I treat him like I treat all other media. Uh, I yep. listen to what he has to say. I disregard his opinion and look at the facts. And yep. <laughs> and, and he he is pretty sound when it comes to his sources. Sometimes I think he jumps the gun on some of them and he uh, he sensationalizes. But other than that, the man is a journalist, or at least his his team is. You know, and they and they find out lots of credible, factual information. Uh, as far as the hit piece goes, they've been doing this crap for years, and it's not going to change. It, to me, it sounds like a uh, a desperate cry for help for a system that is failing. Absolutely. So here here is what I have to say to you. Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. Okay. <laughs> now, you know, that being said, by George W. Bush. Um, Andrew, what's uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the hit piece? Do you think that Alex Jones creates bombers, or do you think that he creates that he creates doubt that the media doesn't like? I think that that's more of what it is. No, nah, I think I don't think he creates bombers, but Alex Jones is awesome, man. He does the shock and awe, and it wakes people up. At least, you know, it was it had something to do with me waking up, uh, mm-hmm. stumbling across Alex Jones. So, kudos to him. Now, did I turn you on to him? I, I was listening to him for about two years, and and Robert's right. When you hear him, he sounds so sensational and out of this world, and Daryl called it, the new world order is real. We're all in great peril. Of course we're in great peril, dude. We've all been conquered by the Federal Reserve Bank. I mean, we all know that. We're not dumb. We've got this stuff figured out, too. But it's a um, he takes a different approach, I think, than everybody else, and he takes the the rant and rave and, and hair on fire approach, whereas we all try to take a a cogent um, conversational approach to this to the same topic. So, um, anybody got any last minute thoughts before we shift to yeah, the next yeah, article? You know, like whether people want to acknowledge that the new world order is real or not, you must acknowledge that stuff like. The UN is real, NATO is real, Skull yep. and Bones is real, the G20 yep. is real. And these are yep. these are organizations that want to have a, a one-currency empire, that want to control our medicine, our food, our electricity, our plumbing, our education system. So, at the end Let of us the never day, tolerate outrageous empire. conspiracy theories. Yeah, you're um, crazy. Ooh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and and as you have noticed, if you're, if you're paying attention to the podcast... The second half is usually where we're going to start cutting up a little bit because this stuff is going to get to all of us because we're all going to go absolutely bonkers if we don't have some sort of comic relief because knowing what I know about all of these things, 
And when you try to explain it to people, they look at you like you're crazy. When I tell people that there's fluoride in the water and it's lowering your IQ, it's giving people bone cancer, and it's true stuff, and it's actually added to the to the water here in my in my in my region, it's absolutely ridiculous. And they look at me like I'm the crazy person because I don't want to go and find out what position Tim Tebow is going to play for the Patriots. Uh, just uh, to let you know, Daryl. Tim Tebow is like a um, is a mildly mildly talented quarterback that plays at the NFL, but everybody likes him because he's a very upstanding Christian and he he gives all glory to God and stuff, which Dude, I respect. Him Tebow, for. Oh, man, stop! Yeah. You know you're I, Tebow, I just found man. out who the fuck Snooki is, but with the fucking interview with Adam Kokesh, everybody's laughing at me like Snooki. I'm like, who the fuck is Snooki? Like, uh, I'm sorry. I call it New Jersey Drive, thinking of the movie New Jersey Drive, New Jersey Shore. This tells you how much I don't watch TV. It rots the mind, bro. Like, it's disgusting. Dude, how can you how can you function in today's but society without, without knowing who Snooki is? I struggle I, with the addiction to the Matrix, brother. I love all the stuff that they input to mush my brain, but let, but yet I'm still like, I'm awake too. You know what I'm saying? It's like I come out of the cell and I, I get the information and then I go back in the party. Yeah. That's real. <laughs> everybody everybody has their methodology of dealing with this craziness and it's so bizarre to see all this stuff and once you start awakening to everything and um i want to get i want to get robert's feedback on this too once you start awakening robert's actually been awake probably twice as long as i have not to uh not to give you a, a backhanded compliment or anything but you've been awake for a long time, you know, fighting the um, fighting the deforestation and stuff. But uh, I mean, wh- what are your? How do you stay balanced? I guess that's a good way to kind of transition. How do you stay balanced with all this crazy stuff? Um, just humor and picking my battles. Um, okay. You know, because uh, I, I, an activist when I first started getting involved in environmental activism out west, um, you mean, yeah, okay. uh, an activist came, gave me good advice. He said. Make sure you pick your battles because if you lose too often, you'll become jaded. You know, so yeah. you pick what you can win. You know, and and you and you and you go with it with your full force. Once you decide that that's something you can win, you go one hundred percent. I'm gonna go upstairs for a little bit. Uh, somebody text me when the food is close already. Appreciate it. But you know, and then so that, that's how I end humor. You have to laugh at it. As a matter of fact, the New World Order, this, this crazy global system that they have, you almost have to step back every now and then and appreciate the beauty of the design. Don't, oh, don't I, I'm, it. I'm right there with you. I look at it and go, holy crap, you guys did good work. And you did this over yeah, how many years? 80 years? Whew, nice job. Longer than that if you believe some of the conspiracy theories. You know what I'm saying? So this is like a generational plan that they have been very patient on. And you kind of have to, like, okay, good job. I mean, I'm going to tear it down, and I'm not going to let you get away with it, but good job. Way to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Try again in another 100 years. Well, let's just put it this way. Henry Kissinger ain't doing nothing fast if we've seen that guy in action over the last couple of months. He looks like he looks like Jabba the Hutt. He really does. He looks like Jabba the Hutt had a, uh, had a baby with Mr. Magoo. I mean, it is really kind of gross. But uh, I, I anyway, that's... I always appreciate a good Star Wars reference. Oh, you know what, man? I tell you what, George Lucas put more stuff in those Star Wars in those Star Wars movies to kind of let us know what was going on than people will ever realize. And I think it was pretty it's pretty good to to get people to pay attention to stuff like that because then they can figure out how the world works. I mean, 
the world doesn't work the way that um, the way that Madison Avenue and the way that um, the way that popular culture is going to sell you that it is. Popular culture sells you the fact that you could just go to school, you'll go to college, you'll get a good job, you'll pay off your loans, you'll have a family, everything will be just fine. Government will provide you health care. Everything will everything will be okay. Don't question authority. It's just like it's like what um it's like what um what's his name um Wolsey said in that interview. He's like, well, your elected officials, you know, are the ones that are doing this. So I mean, it's obviously legal. Oh, you you mean you can take the Constitution and take a big ass sharpie and just write it right across the Fourth Amendment, and just because a bunch of people in suits that are underneath a, a big, you know. Um, gosh, what am I looking for? A, a, a big um, dang it! Somebody help me with an esoteric reference here. A um, a big um, dang it! A big Ego? masonic. Ed? Yes, no, a big a big masonic capital, you know. And then um, just showing the the American people that oh, we we have your best interests at heart. Never mind these lobbying groups that pay my salary and pay for my vacations and. And uh, and help finance my campaign. Never mind that. I'm in it for you guys. And your elected officials did this, so you know obviously they're doing it for you. All right. So um, well, did you ever? Sorry for the, yeah, go ahead. Did you ever go hear ahead. that uh, quote by George Washington where he was talking about the secret societies of the old country versus the secret societies of the new country? And I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said that he had hope in the secret societies of this country because it was founded with different principles than those of the older uh, country. So it kind of, kind of, uh, you know, so to say that these uh, organizations didn't exist since the dawn of America would be, uh, you know, would, would be coming no, up all, short. Most of our founders were admitted Freemasons. Most of them were. And then Washington wrote about how the Illuminati was going to infiltrate masonry. He wrote about yes, that. Yes, he said, uh, yeah, the Illuminati principles, the old country's version yep. of yep. secret societies, was going to infiltrate those of the free societies here. How dare you read stuff out of the National Archives, you conspiracy theorists? <laughs> that is, Wait. you know what? I'm You're going to a FEMA camp soon. I, I am apologizing to everybody listening to the podcast or watching on the video at We Are Not Cattle TV. You know what? I apologize. You all just participated in thought crime. I am so sorry. Let's hope that the you know the FEMA trucks do not come and get us all. So speaking of FEMA trucks and the global government, let's talk about the G8 protest. Yay! The G8. It's the great eight government hugs all around the world coming to give us nothing but absolute pure Valhalla. And it goes on to say, this is a Daily Mail article, and it says, A dramatic moment, six riot police take down a rooftop, uh, I think it was a, a rooftop, rooftop protester, as squad storms Soho in, in an anti-capitalistic protest. Here's my question for you, Robert, and then Andrew, I'll get your take. I think Daryl dropped off for a, a little bit. But here's my question. How come when it's us protesting Bilderberg, and when it's us protesting the G8, when it's us protesting the NSA, when it's people over in Turkey protesting a a um, a basically out of control tyrannical government, when they're protesting that, 
They're anti-government people, not pro-freedom people, and these are anti-capitalists, not anti-crony capitalists. Can you explain the difference to everybody or to me? Because the Orwellian terms really start to to make my head spin. Well, uh, for the listeners who don't know, crony capitalism or corporatism is a symptom of fascism. And what it is is it's when the corporations and the government are in bed together helping each other out make profits and regulations. Real capitalism, free market capitalism, is when the market and people vote for the, with their dollars and their commodities on who succeeds and who fails. Now, the reason that we see anti uh, in front of things instead of pro is, one, it has a negative connotation, and we must paint these radicals in a bad light. And then also, the reason that it's at, whenever someone's pissed off at greed, they immediately attack capitalism, is because right. that is the flag in which these corporatists hide behind. Well, this is just the capitalist way. This is just how things work. And, yeah, and rape, you know, you know, raping people, stealing their bank accounts. If, you, if you're over, if you're over in, if you're over in, um, what what was that country where they went in and just took them, took it straight out of their bank accounts? I'm drawing a blank here. Where they, um, oh yeah, they just went in straight up and and took people's money out of their bank accounts. That's capitalism, everybody. And Robert, continue. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off, but you you people have to understand that what Robert's saying is 100% on point. Capitalism doesn't bring you tyranny. Crony capitalism, a.k.a. what happened in the Soviet Union, just look at how the Soviet Union and how everybody was like, oh, it's communism. It wasn't communism. That was corporatism. They had five major companies owning the government and, and about everything else on the planet, much like the Germans when they had, um, when they had IG Farben. Oh, my God. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. Well, no, and, and, and case in point is both of them had fascism. Uh, there's no other really way to define it. The definition of fascism is corporate and government social order. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, you know that it's a symptom of fascism. Uh, I don't, I don't, I can't say if it's a precursor or something that happens during or what it is, but it's something that should really concern people. And then the fact that these people hide behind capitalism is why we never see a pro-capitalism rally. And if we do, it's thrown by somebody like Glenn Beck or Rush Limbaugh, so it loses all credibility. Um, right. But uh, on that note, I'm actually going to have to let you go. But yeah, man, uh, I love I love the conversation. Thanks everybody for being involved. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for coming on board. We appreciate your uh, insight. Hey, plug your stuff really quick so everybody can know where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can check us out at journalisticrevolution.com. We also have a YouTube, Facebook page, and Twitter account all by the same name. And then if you have a chance, run on over to Status Anonymous and join us with a conversation of helping us out with our status tendencies. Oh, man, that was such a good series that you guys did. And I'm going to actually put that up on my website underneath um, underneath a little tag. I'll have to find a tag for it and create one and put all your videos under there. Because it was really good because it gets people thinking about, it gets people thinking about you know, why do we have government? What is, what is the purpose of government? And I think that Ron Paul always did a great job of, of kind of expressing to the people that that's the first question that we should ask. What should the role of government be? And you guys did a great job breaking all that stuff down. So I wanted to thank you for coming on board, man, and contributing to the conversation. Always a pleasure. Oh, yeah, man. You guys have a good one. You yeah, too, take man. care. Yeah. All right. So it looks like it's just me and you, Andrew. So what do you think about the um, – what do you think about the G8 out there in um, 
in London, and you and I both know what the G8 is, and it says that they had over um, over 200 protesters, and the police made 32 arrests and and beat up a bunch of people, and they got some, uh, you know, they got they got their black uniforms on over there in Europe. So it looks like it's um, you know, everything's coming along for the new world order, man. Everything's coming along. Business as usual, man. Business as usual. <laughs> yeah, and they throw you in the free speech zone. Which is out there, um, you know, about fifteen, twenty yards away from wherever the um, the actual protest or the actual event would be taking place. Um, so, I mean, it just it's absolutely retarded how this stuff works. And what the I'll do, guys, free is, um, speech zone, huh? The, the yeah, free isn't that Orwellian? Zone. Just in, <laughs> hey, and, and you've read 1984, right? Oh yeah. Hey, did you oh, yeah. hear that? The, did you hear that there was actually uh, Stephanie, my wife was um, was showing me an article this morning that said that the um, the, the book sales, <laughs> yeah, the book sales are going through the roof right now because everybody's you know referencing it, and of course the sheep have no idea what's going on. They probably should read Soylent, you know, they should probably should find out that you know Soylent Green's made out of people, that kind of stuff. If you go back and look at all the, and my father and I talked about this, so. To get on a little bit of a tangent here, my father and I talked about this on the golf course one day, and it was um, it was how well-informed everybody was after World War II and how they were all terrified of communism. So everybody was very pro-freedom, pro pro-liberty, and it was all about, you know, let's not become an authoritarian state, and let's not, you know, let government push us around, and let's stand up for our rights, and that's when Soylent Green and 1984 and all these other all these other great books came out. Where in the early, I think it was the early 70s, late 60s, I could even be wrong, it might be the late 50s, early 60s, might be conflating those two books. But um, yeah, now it's just, now popular culture is just absolutely running rampant. And and for us, the real liberty lovers out there, we're trying to fight against a system that basically leverages everybody's, and here's the big you know surprise for you. Madison Avenue and every other marketing company on the planet, guys, sells to your insecurities. Women, that's why they show you pictures of chicks that look like they're anorexic and tell you that this is what you should supposed to look like. And then they also do, you know, crop outs where they actually edit out somebody's side fat and they make them look three times as skinny as they really are. Not because they want you to, not because they want you to be confident as a woman. Because they understand that the more inconfident you are or the more the more insecure you are – I think I just made up a word, inconfident. But um, the more insecurity you are, the more that you're going to pay attention to what they have to say will make you popular or will make you socially acceptable. And that's why you get into these areas of, of history – where you know in the in the Roman area it was all about the gladiatorial events it was all about the bread and circus it didn't matter if your neighbor was the one that got thrown to the lions that day you were just going to go down there and cheer because it was a spectacle and now we're turning into the same thing here where it's we don't care if the country gets bombed or we don't care what they did to us if we send a drone over there or we don't care what Assad did you know just I know that Tim Tebow is coming on, and he's going to be on the he's going to be on the Patriots roster, and that's all I care about. Andrew, your comments on what I just said? Hey man, I was just waiting for a second till I had a chance to tell you I'm going to bail too, brother. The government tells me I need my eight hours of sleep, so I'm going to do what the doctor says. 
Hey, man, I appreciate you jumping on board, too. I can just run tail gunner by myself throughout the podcast. So thanks for jumping on board, man. Always a pleasure having you on. All right, brother. I'll catch you later. Sounds good. Take care. All right, so there they go. That is the, the guest for today's show. But um, anyway, transitioning back into the news, um, a couple other articles that I wanted to cover over here. And this was actually off of um, – let me pull this article up here. And this is from uh, EFF.org, and it's entitled, 86 Civil Liberty Groups and Internet Companies Demand an End to NSA Spy. And it says, today a bipartisan coalition of 86 civil liberty organizations and Internet companies, including the Electronic Frontier Foundation, Reddit, Mozilla, FreedomWorks, the American Civil Liberties Union, are demanding swift action from Congress in light of the recent revelations about unchecked domestic surveillance. In an opening letter, in an open letter to lawmakers sent today, the group calls for a congressional investigatory committee similar to the church committee. Wow, this is big. Similar to the church committee back in the 1970s. The letter also demands legal reforms to restrain in domestic spying and demands public officials responsible for the illegal surveillance are held accountable for their actions. The letter denotes that the NSA spying program is illegal, noting, the type of blanket collection by the government strikes a bedrock at American values of freedom and privacy. This dragnet surveillance violates the First and Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which protects citizens' right to speak and associate anonymously and guard against unreasonable searches and seizures to protect their way and right to privacy. The letter was accompanied by a launch of Stop Watching Us, StopWatching.us, excuse me, a global petition calling on Congress to provide accounting, to provide a public accounting of the United States domestic spy capabilities to bring an end to the illegal surveillance. The groups call for a number of specific legal reforms, including the reform on the controversial Section 215 of the U.S. Patriot Act, the Business Records Section, which through secret orders was misused to force Verizon to provide NSA with the detailed phone records of millions of customers. The group also called for Congress to reform the FISA Amendment Act, the unconstitutional law that allows nearly without restriction the government to conduct mass surveillance of Americans and international communication. The letter and petition also demand that Congress amend the state, sec state secrets privilege to a, the legal tool that was used to expand over 10 years to prevent government from being held accountable for domestic surveillance. As Mark Rommel, an attorney at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, who focuses on government transparency and national security, says, now is the time for Congress to act. We, need a, we, we don't need a narrow fix to part of the Patriot Act. We need a full public accounting of how the United States is turning sophisticated spy technology on its own citizens, and we need accountability from public officials and we also need an overhaul of the laws to ensure that the abuses never happen again. The Electronic Frontier Foundation is urging concerns 
concerned citizens to join the campaign by signing their names to stopwatching.us. And here is the open letter, and I'll read it, and then we'll move on to the next article. And the open letter says, Dear members of Congress, we write to express our concern of recent reports published in The Guardian and The Washington Post and acknowledged by the Obama administration, which revealed that secret spying by National Security Agency on phone records and Internet activity of the people in the United States. The Washington Post and The Guardian recently published reports based on the information provided in, in a career intelligence officer showing how the NSA and FBI are gaining broad access to data collection by nine of the leading ten Internet companies and sharing the information with foreign governments. And that was actually in Project Echelon that they were all sharing information. As reported, the government is extracting audio, video, photographs, emails, documents, and connection logs to enable analysis or analysts to track the person's movements and contacts over time. Once, just like what Robert said, building a database and a profile for you as a citizen. Remember, this is going to turn into Minority Report if we don't stop this. As a result, the contents of communication of both abroad and in the U.S. can can be swept in any without any suspicion of a crime or association with a terrorist organization. Leaked reports also published by The Guardian and confirmed by the administration revealed that the NSA also is abusing a, a controversial section of the Patriot Act to collect call records of millions of Verizon customers. The data collected by the NSA includes every call made, the time of the call, the duration of the call, and other identifying information for millions of customers, including entirely or entirely domestic calls, regardless of whether those customers were suspect of a crime. The Wall Street Journal has reported that that mo major other carriers, including AT&T and Sprint, are similar, are similar to to secret orders. This type of blanket data communication or data and this blanket data collection by the government strikes at the bedrock of American values of freedom and privacy. And the dragnet of the Fourth and Fifth Amendments going on to what it says before. We are calling on Congress to take immediate action to halt their surveillance and provide the public accounting that the NSA and the FBI's data collection process, we've called for Congress to act immediately and publicly. And it's signed by a whole slew of people, and you can go and read all of these different independent outlets that have signed on to this thing. Get Pfizer right, all of these, Mozilla, which is a huge um, search engine. They do Firefox, Reddit, obviously, another big, um, another big, um, uh, um, I, evidently, I think that, that was one of um, Aaron Schwartz's companies that he actually developed, Reddit which is um, similar to um, any other Pinterest or something like that that you would use to show um, your interest in articles. So, I mean, it's good that we're seeing these steps taken, and it's good that we're seeing people react so quickly. And one thing that we can't do is we can't get away from how much this is going to impact us as citizens. You can't get away from the fact that the government's spying on you. You can't get away from the fact that everything you do is being tracked and traced and put into a database. You have to be on the offensive now 
and understand that free countries do not do stuff like this. They do not collect your data and then tell you later, oh, I'm sorry, I collected your data the entire time that you were here on this planet. I collected it all and I put it into a database. I'm not so much worried about what it's going to do for me. I'm worried about what it's going to do for the group behind me, my children. That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the real issue, and that is this is just a stepping stone. And if they kept this secret for so long, what else are they keeping secret? You remember, this this government of Barack Obama was supposed to be the most transparent, the most, you know, the most out in the open. He was supposed to not hire any lobbyists. He hired a bunch of lobbyists. He did the exact opposite of what he said he was going to do to us the entire time. Once again, I'm not a Republican by any stretch of the imagination. If Barack Obama came out and said, I can't believe this stuff was going on, I had no idea. You can't trust these. We can't trust the NSA. I'm demanding that Congress start making changes to the Patriot Act. And I'm making changes to the NDAA, which I was, you know, that I signed under duress or whatever. So it, it's not coming to that. These people are paid actors. I think that I can't remember who said it, but one, um, I think it was one actor that said that uh, Washington D.C. is um, is basically Hollywood for ugly people, and it really is. These people get up there and sell you a bunch of garbage. And then go off and do the exact opposite of what they tell you that they're going to do. Now, if you had a girlfriend or a wife that cheated on you or did something like that all the time, or a husband or a boyfriend, you would do the same thing. You would be upset. You would be irate. But if it's people that you know that reside up in a capital, you know, in the, a big, a big pearly white capital, and and they all wear fancy suits and they all talk very confidently. And they all talk about what they think that they know, then then it makes it okay. Well, I'm here to tell you that it doesn't make it okay, because if we don't start standing up now, we're not going to have any civil liberties to fall back on. And so, here is a couple of clips that I didn't get to when I had the guys on because I played them um, last week. But I did want to get to this one clip while William Benny that I played uh, on the last podcast. And it is, um, it's going over who makes the decision of whether you're going to be spied upon or not. And once again, it's not you that gets to make this call. It's the central government's call. And this was a, uh, an interview he did on RT, and I'll overlay the, um, the interview with this uh, clip. So when you guys check out the podcast, share the podcast with people that you know and you like. Get them to get informed, get involved, because that's what we're about here. We're trying to get people involved with changing this stuff. That's why we're having roundtables every once in a while. That's why I bring guests on, people that are running their own shows, because we need to have these conversations. We need to bring these people together. If you listen to my podcast, you don't listen to Journalistic Revolution. We need to kind of get our, our groups together, our audiences together. Daryl's been a big help to me bringing some of Adam versus the man's group over here and getting them to listen to my podcast. We need to share the share the message on liberty and freedom and all get together and not sit in our in our own little collective boxes. I know that we do have a lot of people that are anarcho-capitalists. We have a lot of people that are libertarians. Whatever side of the political spectrum you all fall on, I believe that we can all agree that if we could just at least restore the constitution, that will give us a place 
for at least a jumping off point to do better. I think that we can do better than the Constitution, but right now we're not even giving that a try. We're letting a bunch of bureaucrats write laws, mandates, statutes, edicts, whatever you want to call it, and circumvent the rule of the of of basically of God, of the Creator, of who put us on this planet, whatever your religious affiliation is. It's a universal law that my body is my property, that my thoughts are my property. That's not the government's property. That's not the NSA's property. My conversations are my property, as long as they don't happen out in public. And if they're in public, then that's public property. It's it's very cut and dry, but they try to convolute it, and then they make it a football issue. Well, is the government spying? Is the NSA really in the wrong? Should we persecute this guy? Never talking about how out of control this is that we have completely abolished the Fourth Amendment and and not even had a vote about it. It was just decided up in Washington that we're going to do this in order to combat terrorism. Remember, Hitler fought an entire world during World War II to combat the terrorism from the Polish. So there you go. I mean, you can call it terror attacks. You can call it whatever you want. The only thing that the ultra-surveillance state will bring you is total enslavement. It will not, it will not deliver you to Valhalla. It will just bring about ultra-Hitlerian enslavement, and mindless thought crime. It will bring about thought crime, and I don't want that. Because I know how the human species works, and that one minute you can think that you would absolutely want to injure somebody, and then the very next minute you feel like, you know what, that was just me being emotional. But if you get caught in that in that two minutes where you're being irrational, that's when the quote-unquote thought police would show up and absolutely take you down, just like in Minority Report. And I don't want that for a society, and I don't want that for my children either. So here's the uh, clip of William Benny, and then I'll catch it on the backside with the last article to wrap it up, because I do want some humor on the end. And then um, thanks for listening, everybody. Enjoy this next clip, and um, remember, NSA, I love you guys. Thanks for uh, keeping me safe. Keep giving me those government hugs as you listen. Is, if, if, if they think they're not doing anything that's wrong... Uh, they don't get to define that. The central government does. They do, the central government defines what is right and wrong and whether or not they target you. So it's not up to the individual, to, even if they think they're doing something wrong. If their position on something is against what the administration has, then, then they could easily become a target. Tell me about the most outrageous thing that you came across during your work at the NSA. Uh, well... Uh, the violations of the Constitution and and any number of laws that existed at the time. Uh, that that was the that was the part that I could not uh, be associated with. That's why I left there. They were building social networks on uh, who who is communicating and with whom inside this country, so that your entire social network of everybody of every U.S. citizen was being compiled over time. So they're taking uh, from one company alone roughly uh, 320 million records a day. That's how over time that that's probably accumulated up to close to 20 trillion over the years. The original program that we put together to handle this, to be able to identify terrorists anywhere in the world uh, and and uh, alert anyone that, that they were in, in under jeopardy, uh, would have would have been able to do that uh, by encrypting everybody's communications except those who were targets. 
so that in, in essence you would protect their identities and, uh, and the information about them until you could develop probable cause. And then once you showed probable cause, then you could uh, do a decrypt and target them. And we could do that and, and isolate those people uh, all along. That wasn't a problem at all. There was no difficulty in that. But it sounds very difficult and very complicated. Easier to take everything in and... No, it's, it's, uh, it's easier to use the graphing techniques, if you will, of the relationships for the world to filter out data so you don't have to handle all that data. And it doesn't, it doesn't burden you with a lot more information to look at than you really want to look, than you really need to solve the problem. So do you think that the agency doesn't have the filters now? No. You have received the Callaway Award for yes. Civic <coughs> Courage. Uh, I congratulate you for that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, on the website, in the press release, it says it is awarded to those who stand up for constitutional rights and American values at great risk to their personal and professional lives. Under the Code of Spy Ethics, I don't know if there is such a thing. I assume, well, not. Your former colleagues, um, they, they probably look upon you as a, as a traitor. How do you look back at them? Oh, that's pretty easy. They're violating the foundation of this entire country, of what, our entire foundation of wh how, why this entire government was formed. It's founded with the Constitution and the rights given to the people in the country under that Constitution. They're in violation of that. And under Executive Order 13526, Section 1.7, Governing Classification, you cannot classify information that just to cover up a crime, which this is. And that was signed by President Obama. Also, President Bush signed an earlier executive order, a very similar one. If any of this comes into the Supreme Court and they rule it unconstitutional, then the entire house of cards of the government falls. What are the chances of that? What are the odds? Well, the government's doing the best they can to try to keep it out of court. And, of course, we're trying to do the best we can to get into court. <laughs> so... We just thought it, it deserves a, a, a ruling from the Supreme Court, ultimately. The court is supposed to protect the Constitution. All these, all these people in government take an oath to defend the Constitution, and they're not living up to their oath of office. So that was William Benny, and he blew the whistle on all this stuff, and he actually wrote the program, and he developed the program for the Russians, and he saw the program being deployed here in the United States. And that's when he decided that he was going to go blow the whistle on his portion of the NSA spy grid. And he talked about everything that you, basically everything that came out. So everything that you do is spied on, everything that you have is data mine. And like Robert said, it's. It's not like, oh, well, they're not recording my conversations. That's no big deal. They are developing profiles for you. And they talk about how they will be able to predict where you'll go for lunch and what you'll, you know, what you'll have for dinner even before you will. And that's kind of creepy. That is some minority report stuff. So either you want the complete creepiness of your government spying on you without warrants, which is completely unconstitutional, which there are ways around it, like William Benny said, that they could they could put firewalls and they could put 
different uh, protocols in there to to stop the the spying on everybody and the and the ultimate information grab. Or they could just do what um, the CIA chief said, and this was from an article in. Um, gosh, this was a uh, this was an article off of uh, Wired magazine from March 15th of last year, where it says um, we'll spy on you through your dishwasher, and it goes on to talk about how. All of those new devices and the treasure trove of data that you're in your personal person that you're a person of interest to the spy community. Once upon a time, spies had to bug your chandelier to hear your conversation, and with the rise of the quote-unquote smart home, you'd be sending tagged geolocated data through the spy act or that a spy agency could intercept in real time. When you use the lighting app on your phone to adjust the room's lighting amb ambiance or anything. And it says, items of interest will be located, identified, monitored, and remotely controlled through these technologies, such as radio frequency identification, sensor networks, tiny embedded sensors, and energy harvested. All connected to the next generation internet using abundant, low-cost, high-powered computing, Petraeus said. The latter now going into cloud computing in many areas, greater and greater supercomputing and ultimately headed toward quantum computing. So he said, Petraeus allowed these household spies to identify, change our notions of secrecy and prompt us to rethink our notions of identity and secrecy, all of which are true and are coveted by, for the NSA director. The NSA has a lot of legal restrictions against spying on American citizens, but collecting ambient geolocation data devices is a gray area, which means that they're already doing it. They, if it's gray, that means they're doing it. If it's a red area, that means that they are doing it and not telling you. Especially after the 2008 carve-outs of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Uh, you know, laws have never stopped these people before. I mean, the Constitution didn't stop these people. What makes you, anybody think that, that that any law is going to stop these people from doing this stuff? Hardware manufacturers, it turns out, store a trove of geolocating data from some legislators have grown alarmed to see how easy the government can track you through your phone or through your PlayStation. And said... Not only did the data exploit intrigue Petraeus, he's interested in creating new online identities on his undercover spies and sweeping across digital footprints of agents who suddenly need to vanish. So basically, they're going to sell it in the fact that they're going to use it for if our spies get caught, that we can erase all their metadata and that they can go back into just being super secret super spies again. It is... Um, and it says, proud parents document the arrival and growth of the future of the CIA officer in all forms of social media as the world can access for day, decades to come, Praetorius observed. Moreover, we have to figure out how to create a digital footprint for the new identities of some officers. It's hard to argue with that. In the online cache it is not the spy's friend, but Petraeus had an inadvertent pal in Facebook. Why? With the arrival of Timeline, Facebook makes it super easy to backdate your online history. Barack Obama, for instance, hasn't been on Facebook since 1960, since his birth in 1961, creating new identities 
for CIA not uh, for CIA non-official cover operatives has arguably been easier thanks to Zucker. Thank you, Zucker. And that is the end of the article. So they're grabbing metadata from any place that they can. I mean, they're grabbing it from our phones, they're grabbing it from our computers, from our browsing history. So I know that I've rehashed this like 15 times, but you guys have got to understand this, is that this is not freedom. And how you respond to this is going to determine what kind of country we live in. How we respond to things like this is going to determine whether we go down the road of an authoritarian government or if we move back towards limited constitutional government and more freedoms and more um, and more free markets. Because right now we're leaning towards tyranny. You know, Ron Paul said that, not me. That this is a dictatorship. This is acting like a tyranny. I mean, he even said that in his farewell speeches. This is acting like a tyranny. So. I don't know how many times that we have to hear it collectively, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you that spying on your citizens without warrants and keeping all the data and then just saying, oh, it's fine, it's fine, we don't have anything of significance. If you didn't have anything of significance, why didn't you just come out and tell the public what you were doing? And then you're going to say, well, it's in the Telecommunications Act. Well, I knew that because I brought that up on the last podcast. Well, it's in the Patriot Act. I, I knew that as well. You know, it's in the it's it's in the FISA agreement. We we understand that, and and we understand all of this. But here's the thing: government will never admit to you what they're doing until you catch them with their pants down, and then they'll admit it and then deny, 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 deny. It's just what the Clintons did. It's just what the Bushes did. It's just what all of these goobers do. They will deny, deny, deny. And Hitler even said, the bigger the lie, just keep denying it, and eventually the public will acquiesce. And I think that that was, um, I think that that was Joseph Goebbels, the uh, propaganda minister, that said, make the lie so big and so outlandish that you can just deny that the lie even existed in the first place. So that's all I got for you guys on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Check out the video version on We Are Not Cattle dot uh, or on YouTube from We Are Not Cattle TV. You can follow me on Twitter. We Are Not Cattle the number one. People have been actually migrating to the Facebook page um, through um, Facebook. You can find me at We Are Not Cattle on Facebook, and you can also, if you need the default to take you to all my social media, you can go to the website. We are not cattle.net. So that's it for the show, everybody. Thanks for listening and um, love, liberty, and freedom, everyone. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. And let's try to reverse the global technocracy and the global takeover. Enjoy it, everybody. Take care. You deserve your freedom. Freedom. Yeah, it's in the feeling that-